I'm Dan Cresso and welcome to the Great British Drafting Show, the Panthers Draft Podcast, a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Awful Carolina. And joining me today, as he will be every week, is Vincent Richardson, Draft Analyst for the Riot Report. Hello. Okay, so this week we've got tight ends, Vincent, right? Yep, tight ends. Yep. And I, I think it's quite an interesting uh, tight end class. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And it's, it's always a, an interesting position to to look at because there are always quite a few guys that do different things at the college level i think yeah no it's it's it's, it's still a position that is is not totally present in every college offense and so there, there are guys who, who who it's interesting to see how teams try and use them whether they are just sort of big receivers or whether they they actually do try and get these guys to block and there are guys who just do one or two one of the two and and don't do the other at all and so it, it's it's a position that kind of is 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 not the easiest to translate because there are guys who just aren't asked to do a huge chunk of what they will be asked to do at the NFL level. Yeah, yeah, not that many colleges use tight ends, and you know, if we if we look at the the colleges that uh, the guys that we're going to talk about came from, we've got you know Alabama, Iowa, uh, maybe talk about a guy from Stanford as well. You know, it's yeah, it's the same schools. Texas A&M, George, it, it, yep. it's SEC schools, a couple of Big Ten schools, and and Stanford basically. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if uh, in between now and uh, the draft, if any small school tight ends sort of pop out. Yeah, I mean, it's who was the guy that went that the Bears took really early a couple of years ago? The guy oh, who was Shaheen, just in, right? Yeah, who was six foot nine or whatever he was. Yeah. Like that, that, you do occasionally get them, but then you, I mean, Godot went last year, but Godot was just a complete anomaly. Um, but but yeah, no, generally when you're drafting small school tight ends, it's just some big bloke who runs fast, and and I mean. The, the, it's not a position that is used particularly similarly between the two the two um, sort of levels of the game. So it's it's yeah. it's always a bit fun to sort of work out whether someone who's basically never been asked to block can block or whether they just you know can't, just just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, before we we dive uh, straight into talking about this year's draft prospects at a tight end position, uh, do you want to quickly go over what the Panthers currently have? Yeah, yeah, I think it's really worthwhile. I think it's actually quite interesting for the Panthers in that you've got Greg Olson, who has been the guy for a long period of time, but I think at this point it seems pretty clear that he is going to come back to the Panthers next year and give it another go to stay healthy. Um, and then you've got Ian Thomas, who was a rookie last year, who was very, very raw coming out of Indiana, but actually looked pretty good. And then you've got behind them, you've got guys like um, Alex Armour, who's more of a fullback, and Chris Manhurts, who's sort of a specialist blocker. And it's 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 one of those things where the best case scenario is Greg Olson stays healthy. Ian Thomas continues to develop at the rate he's developing at, and you have sort of two legitimate tight ends, or you have the situation where Greg Olson gets hurt again. Ian Thomas doesn't progress quite as quickly as he has been, and you sort of go, "We don't really have any tight ends." So, yeah, actually, although Chris Manhurst has just signed a new contract this week, it wouldn't be that much of a shock, I don't think, to see the Panthers try and add another option at tight end. Probably then mean you have to pick between one of Manhurst and Armour. But if I'm honest, I, I think that's probably more of a free agency thing than, than a draft thing. I, I think, it, you know, Ian Thomas is probably the tight end of the future. The question becomes, is he ready to be a good tight end right now? And are you going to mean, you know, is Greg Olson's injury going to mean that you, you, you have to ask him to be that right now? And, and I think that's that's probably more of a free agency type concern than a, than a draft concern. Did the, the Panthers play with uh, two tight end sets often last year? Um, a reasonable amount. I think 
it was probably something they it, it felt like something they wanted to do more than they did but then when greg got hurt it became harder to do because you then if you want to go two tight ends you then have to stick in a rookie basically yeah. um and sometimes they did uh and when greg came back they did a little bit more uh but they, they, they do it a, a fair amount it's it's certainly something they've 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 done a lot in the past but generally more through necessity i mean i'm not gonna get into it in huge detail but when daryl williams was starting at right tackle in 2017 there were times when ed dixon was basically just playing as an extra offensive linesman um but it's it's quite unclear how north would do things if everyone was healthy so it's it's probably going to be part of the offense but whether it's a major part or just a reasonable part is is, is hard to tell yet yep because if they if they are keen to do that and and greg olsen um isn't coming back as quickly as they would want then they could go after a guy in a draft especially if they like a particular person possibly i, th- I think the only thing would be is that I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more in a bit, but this is not a really deep tight end class. And so if you want to get a guy who you think can contribute week one, you're probably going to have to go in the first two, you know, first three rounds of the draft. And if I'm honest, tight end is not, it is low enough down on the list of needs that that's probably not sensible. Yeah. That's And actually it'd be easier to throw two or three million at a mid-level free agent who can just come in and offer you a rotation value, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, I, I think that's true of uh, tight end classes most years. Every now and again, you get like a, a freak class where there are like eight good tight ends. So like the one where George Kittle went fifth round. Um, okay, well, yeah, I think yeah. 2013 was a good one. And then the one where you had uh, Gronk. Um, oh, that's a long a time ago, one. yeah. And then you've got like barren years in between. And I think this one is maybe a bit in between, but it's, it's like, you know, good tight ends don't really grow in trees there are very few of them in college so and the nfl is aware of the ones that are good it's like it's quite difficult yeah. to to get one late unless the class yeah. is very deep and it doesn't look like that this year no i, I think i think what my, sorry, I, I probably wasn't a bit unclear but i think for, for the panthers the issue ian thomas is probably the future if that makes sense and therefore it's 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 more about getting someone who can just be decent this season but not necessarily a star if you know if they feel to go tight end at all and i think if you if you want a someone who's going to be decent right now, that's given the gap between college tight end and NFL tight end, it's probably safer to just do that in free agency, throw a couple of million dollars at it, and just sort of you know get someone who can be okay. Yeah. You know, if you feel the need to do it at all, rather than potentially you know e- even if you took one of the top three guys in this draft, they're not necessarily going to be amazing week one. And and then the question becomes why are you actually drafting them if Ian Thomas is going to be your starter down the line anyway? Yeah, I think if you're if you're drafting tight ends late, then you're making some sacrifices either in terms of their ability in the in a passing game or the run game. Yeah, or or you think you've absolutely hit a gem that everyone else has missed on, but that's yep. I mean it's the same as true any position really. Yeah. Um. So what 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 kind of things do you look for in in tight ends? So, as with every position, you want to see core athletic traits. So you want to see the vertical speed. You want to see reasonable power as a blocker. You want to see the sort of lateral agility that allows to be a route runner and to move in space. Uh, but that's that. Those things, to different degrees, are true for every position. In terms of technique work, it's very much split into what they do as a receiver and what they do as a blocker. Um, as a run blocker, you want to see them locate their hands effectively. You want to see sort of straight arms right into the frame of the the defender. 
um, and you want to see them sort of set a decent base with their feet. You don't want to see them lean into blocks a huge amount just because that creates all kinds of balance issues. And then in space, you want to see them be controlled. You want to see them sort of line up blocks and again, not lunge into them, but just sort of locate their block and hold it. Um, and then if you know, in pass protection, which isn't something that many of them are asked to do, but if they do uh, pass protect, you want to see the lateral agility to follow with defenders and the good pad level not to just get completely smashed backwards and some kind of hand usage. Ideally, you want to see sort of tackle style hand usage, but you you know you want to see hand eye coordination and hand speed to sort of fend off defenders. And then as a as a receiver, you want to see the ability to get off the line against press. Uh, you want to see the ability to separate as route runners down the field. Um, and then you'll see them catch the ball, obviously, and things like the ability in the air or ability after the catch and then sort of bonuses. Okay, sounds good. Uh, let's start with the top of your big board. Okay. Where you have Irv Smith, number one, uh, tight yeah. end out of Alabama. Yeah, I, I think it's probably worth talking about the top three guys together because I think that's really how yep. this class is going to be looked at in that there are three guys who... there's very definitely the top three guys and it's then more a matter of how good you think they are and exactly which order they come in yeah um and they're sort of it's very much sort of hawkinson and fant who are my number two and three tight ends respectively are the sort of the polar extremes in terms of hawkinson is the best blocker and fant is probably the best receiver and then smith is somewhere in between in that he's a good receiver and a good blocker without being amazing at either yep um i have smith top but I, 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 you could convince me that Hawkinson was slightly better than Smith, but I, I think uh, it's very much about what you value more than 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 sort of necessarily their absolute quality. Um, so Hawkinson is probably the best blocker. Um, he does use his hands well as a run blocker, and his power is pretty solid. Um, there is a slight concern that he does tend to lead into blocks, particularly uh, yeah. in space, but that's that should be fixable. Um, and there's also some like for all of them they all play quite high in terms of their pad level that's something that nfl coaches will work on um and i think it's probably more reflective of the fact that they just aren't asked to block that much yeah um, and it's not really a focus of what they do a lot of the time but but all, all of them could do with having a lower pad level um but hawkinson also tends to lean in a little bit but he he's his hand usage is really good as a run defender uh, run blocker and also his pass protection is actually reasonably promising um smith isn't quite as good but he's still pretty good and he's possibly a bit more athletic as well in terms of power um the advantage i think i have for smith over hawkinson is that there were one i think smith is a better route runner than hawkinson um and i think separates more consistently down the field uh, which i think is quite valuable but also uh, i i don't want to make too much i think of this is because it, it, it's not something that many of them are really asked to deal with and so it's quite hard to make a huge judgment on but uh, I can't remember which game it was now, but I, I watched a number of snaps where Hawkinson really struggled a fair amount against sort of press coverage where uh, the defenders looked to just sort of jam him off the line and he, he didn't, maybe it was just he didn't know, hadn't really seen it and therefore didn't know what to do, but he didn't really look like he knew how to get away from the press and just kind of ran into the defender and hoped he could sort of push him out of the way. Um, and you actually want to see them try and create some kind of leverage against press and that was a little bit concerning um but all, all of these guys are going to have to develop a fair amount so you know you would you wouldn't i wouldn't given given the the, the fairly subtle differences between smith and hawkinson you wouldn't massively favor one in over the other in terms of potential um development but i, I think smith i have 
there there were fewer things I saw Smith do noticeably badly compared to Hawkinson. Um, even though I think Hawkinson, the thing he does well, possibly does better than the things that Smith does well, if that makes sense. Now, some of our listeners might be uh, listening to, to you talking and think, hold on, all the mock drafts have Noah Fant going in the first round. You haven't even got him as your first tight end. What's going on here? Yeah, so 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 Fant is the is the polar opposite of Hawkinson. Ironically, both of them come from our Iowa. In that Fant's ceiling is really high, but his floor is not very high. So he is probably the best pure receiver in this class. I think Smith is possibly a slightly better route runner, but Fant is a better athlete, um, yep. moves better in space, all kinds of things. Um, if 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 this was just about who has the highest ceiling, it's definitely Fant. Um, but he is, although he actually shows a lot of good technique as a blocker, he shows it very inconsistently. And so it, it's it's about whether he can do the right things every down rather than just some downs. So uh, he, Fant probably has the one of the lower floors in the tight end class, certainly if the guys who have any chance of being pretty good. Yeah. But, but it, it's... He has really quite a large range of outcomes, but does does flash as a route runner, does some nice things in terms of his ball skills. Um, he's an absolute value after the catch and is a really good athlete, but his blocking needs to be more consistent and his he's not so technically developed as a as a receiver that you sort of think, well, sod his blocking, he can just be a you know he could be a great you know Evan Ingram you know Evan Ingram who went to the Giants was just so good as a receiver that you were kind of like even if he's terrible as a blocker, he's got a third round grade just yeah. as a receiver. I think Fant is a better blocker than Engram was, but isn't so obviously immediately valuable as a receiver. So there's kind of a bit of a no, pain. I mean, I think... I mean with, with, with Engram, there was talk of, is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? Whereas with Fant, there's no discussion. No, no, no Fant definitely is definitely a tight, a tight end. end. You know. but, but I think that, that, that that's both a positive and a negative in that he's he's probably not quite good enough a receiver for people to have that conversation. But he's also a good enough blocker that people don't feel they have to have that conversation. I think he's a he's a ridiculous athlete, and you should probably go and watch a highlight tape of his uh, if you've got a spare five minutes, because the way that he can sort of flip his hips, sort of disassociate his lower and upper bodies, uh, yeah, it's, no, it's almost is. like Saquon Barkley-esque, obviously in a much bigger body and a lot slower, but it's <laughs> yeah, rare no, he, to he's, see that in a tight end. No, he, he's he he is, he is a very good athlete. I think the if you want to sort of a cautionary note. Then, oh god, who was the guy who went out of UNC a few years ago? Now plays for the Colts. Uh, Eric Ebron. Went to the Lions. Yeah, er- er- Eric Ebron. Where it's kind of like Eric Ebron now, four and a half years into his NFL career, is a really good tight end. Yeah. But the first, like all of his time in Detroit, was him flashing and not producing. Yeah, under his rookie contract. <laughs> yeah, and I think the other thing you have to note then is coaching is so important for some of these guys that given how like all of them even like smith and hawkinson there is a reasonable gap between where they are now and where they will have to be to be good pros and if who is the best out of these three could well come down to who ends up with the best position coach in their first two or three years because if you know if ebron had stayed in 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 detroit he could well con- continue to be this athletic guy who never quite put it all together. But having gone to Indy, he's now a far more consistent player. And I think that's that's really telling in that in the, one, this is a position that does need very good coaching to, 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 to become a good pro, but yep. also that, that that is not something that is true for every team. And so, you, you know, 
all all of Smith, Hawkinson, and Fant, if they go to a team with a bad TE coach, they could all struggle. But hopefully they won't. You know, on the, on Eric Hebron point, um, I think I think Fant's a better athlete than than Ebron. Um, not as much of a box out type tight end in terms of making contested catches, um, but he's got he's, really he's got pretty good hands. Um, he, do you think he's, he's do you think he's got the actual vertical speed that Ebron had? Um, I don't think Ebron was actually that fast, if if memory serves correctly. I'm, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily his fourth time, but I remember watching him on tape against UNC, and his actual yeah. tape speed was really impressive. Okay. I'm not quite sure Fant's tape speed is quite as good. Yeah. My my memory doesn't go back that far. Um, can't remember. I, yeah, actually, Ebron ran a four six, which is fast for a tight end. Particularly for a guy who was quite because uh, because the other thing is Fan isn't the biggest tight. Like he's two forty, which isn't small. Don't get me wrong. No. But it's not, Ebron was like he was heavier than that, wasn't he? I, I can't. He, remember. He, he was, yeah. And um, but I think Fan's a lot more agile. Yes, he makes, that's pretty true. He makes some really nice cuts. Um. Yeah, he's, he's just, he, he was used in such a weird way in, in that he, he was used a bit sort of similar to, to OJ Howard at Alabama where it was a lot of um, stuff kind of flowing to the, the boundaries, a lot of screen passes, etc. Yeah, I mean, Irv Smith does that a fair amount as well. I think I think I think that's 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 some of the thing that, we, that is the issue with tight end is that people just use weirdly in college. Yeah, and like with with, with Fant, um, it's like, well, you know, can he catch passes down a seam knowing that a safety is about to hit him? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, which I don't really know that for most of the guys. I mean, I, th- I think, it, I think some, I think it, it's, it's hard to know those kind of things. Like, like there's, and also some of it is just different in between college and the, in the NFL. Like, there, there's a real difference between a small college safety giving you a bit of a lick, and Cam Chancellor flying down to absolutely smack you in the face. Like, there, there's, I think it, it's. I mean, I, I, I've said this before, but I, I try and stay away from the sort of trying to judge people's psychology to a certain degree. And yeah. it's just it, it's it's such a slippery slope to start going down. But yeah. trying to second guess how someone thinks and you know all that kind of stuff is just it, it's it's yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a bit of a, 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 a rat's nest once you get into it. Yeah, I think I think there is a decent argument for Fant being the number one tight end. I'm not quite sure if if he's my number one tight end, but um. Given that the passing game is a lot more important than the running game in the NFL, um, and that he's definitely got the highest upside in that. Um, yeah, no, he does. Yeah, I, I think if uh, no, I, 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 you know, I'll try and watch more tape as we go on. I think for him, it will be about how low his floor is as a receiver as well. Yeah, and that because because there's such a gap in terms of the number of routes they're asked to run and all that kind of stuff, is that even though he's super athletic. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be able to step in and be a great receiving tight end week one. Like, you know, there's still a big gap between him and a really good receiving tight end. And it's not a gap that he can't bridge very quickly with some good coaching, but it's it's you're not so confident in his receiving that you can trust that he's going to just be good at that from day one. No, he's he's not a generational talent. And it'll be interesting to see. how successful he is in his rookie season is something that I, I, I wouldn't want to predict. No, I, I think, I think it, again, it will depend an awful lot on where he ends up yep. as well. I think in a, in a way he'd actually benefit potentially from going somewhere where he isn't going to be asked to be the guy from week one. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, so all this kind of crop of the top three tight ends, um, yeah. I'm quite happy with the fact that all of them are, are pretty good blockers. You know, Fant yeah. is, is the weakest one. 
uh, of the three, but he's not. Um, he he's not really a bad blocker. I'd say he's he's pretty average. Uh, yeah, whereas is, is, Smith is, are actually like decidedly good. I think yeah, he fa- fans more inconsistent than anything else. Yep. Um, but one one thing I found uh, frustrating watching all of them is you just don't see them make that many contested catches, and it's not because they're they're doing it poorly. It's just because they're never throwing the ball in contested situations. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. I think it, it's it was noticeable, and not just for those three guys, but the whole class that, that there was there wasn't many guys who there, there weren't many guys who, who who were asked to really box out and make those kind of catches. Yeah. And um, it, yeah. It makes then, it quite it makes it quite hard to really. Because that, that, I mean, that, that is going to be one of the things they're asked to do in the NFL. Is there just there just isn't going to be the space that some of them had. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, it's it's not just like contested catches where there's like a you know a body hanging off you or whatever, but also just m- making catches in very tight situations. Um, especially yeah, sort of, like of fan, I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's his fault for being so fast that he gets like you know a lot of separation, but. Yeah, no, like one of the really common things they're going to ask to be doing the tight, uh, tight end in the NFL is sort of run those sort of like stick patterns where you're kind of, you know, it, it's run five yards, cut off, and then just drop into zone, say. And, yep. you know, if, if you're making catches in an, un, you know, against underneath zone, you're going to get hit pretty soon after you catch the ball. And that just wasn't, that wasn't how these guys were used. Yep. Uh, and that's, at least from a really basic level, that's going to be a really sort of core thing they're going to have to do is just, just, make safe seven yard catches yeah i think i think uh of, of anyone i think i saw harkinson do that the most Definitely i think he's, true, yeah. he's he's very pro ready um and, and one comparison i heard i think uh, matt waldman said he reminds me a bit of dennis pitter which i can kind of see okay i think yeah my, my, my biggest concern with harkinson is whether he's actually going to be a plus receiver immediately in the, um, and I know we, we disagree with this about a little bit, but but that it, it a lot of his receptions um, at Iowa were were not things he really had to work for, if that makes sense. That, that kind of either he was just running free against zone or he was the dump off guy, and he did a really good job of doing that. And it wasn't because he was asked to do things and just couldn't do it, yeah. but that he wasn't it. It was Fant's job to be the guy who separated down the field, and it was Hawkinson's guy to be the underneath, underneath guy against zone, largely. Yep. Uh, and th- that's fine, and you can be a decent tight end doing that. But to, 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 to reach those upper echelons, you have to be able to separate against man coverage down the field, and he just wasn't really asked to do that. I, I think there were definitely uh, instances where he did do that, kind of run down the seams and uh, okay, okay, yeah. have show enough speed. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, to be clear, I don't doubt his speed. It's more the the ability to actually leverage as a route runner and and yeah, yeah okay, I think does, I was, does that make sense? Yeah, I don't, like I don't think I've ever seen them do like a, a, a medium to deep sort of uh, inside or outside uh, yeah. route. I think that 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 was the bit that was missing where you know Smith and Fant weren't doing that all the time, but I saw at least a handful of instances where they actually sort of you know set up their defender and then separated, and you sort of think. Yep. I know you can do that, and I just it. Hogson didn't not do it. He just, you know, it wasn't that he couldn't do it. He just wasn't asked to do it, uh, and that's that's probably going to be the the 
that's what determines great tight ends rather than just good tight ends is that if you want to know like greg olsen was the guy in carolina for a number of years and that was because if it was third down and you had to have someone separate against man you were going to go to greg olsen and and that that will be for Hawkinson. That will be what will determine, I think, where his real value lies. Yep. If that makes sense. Yep. I think I think that that does make sense. Um. But it it the three very interesting guys. I think Hawkinson yeah. and Smith are are got the the highest floors, and and Fant's uh, ceiling is quite high. But all, all of them are a bit hard to to judge because we have to sort of extrapolate from. Their yeah, college tape. There's a big gap. I mean, I mean, part of that. I mean, it, it, it's these are good tight end prospects, but I've got them graded more in like the mid second to mid third range rather than the sort of late first to mid second range, just because there's there's going to be so much that they have to develop that yep. there's a, there's there's a, there's a degree of risk with all of them. That I think w- w- makes them hard to sort of put as elite prospects. Yep. Are you yeah. ready to move on to Jay Sternberger? Yes, I am. That's okay. a good plan. Because he's yeah. he's he's quite an interesting prospect in that I think he's he's got a lot of potential in the passing game. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, a decent route runner. He's got good acceleration. Uh, really nice yeah. hands. Um, yeah, is. No, and 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 sort of. He does enough as a blocker that you you don't think he's going to be terrible in that regard. But yeah. He's, his value is very definitely as a receiver, yeah. but he's also not. He he's more than you know. We talked about Evan, Evan Ingram already, but he's not just effectively a big receiver. He he. You think there is there? It is not out of the question that he will actually become a proper, well-rounded tight end. If that makes sense. Yeah, but he's he's definitely not uh, as good as a blocker as the the three we we talked about. Um, no, I, I, I don't think there's necessarily a huge gap in blocking between him and Fant, say, but, okay. but there, there is the notable gap then between Fant and the other two guys. So okay. I, I think he's, he's, if we're going to talk about, he is much more in the Fant mold than say Hawkinson or Smith. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I quite like him. I, I, I don't think I draft him super high. I think I have sort of a, a high mid fourth round grade on him. Mm. Um, he does some nice things. I, I, I again, there, there, there's just a, a big gap between what he was asked to do and what he'll be asked to do in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. And then sort of the other end of the extreme is, is Isaac Norta or Norta, mm. whoever you pronounce it, who I've got yep. as the, the number five guy, where he just kind of he's pretty solid, but it's hard to imagine him ever being sort of an elite player. No, he's. Um, I mean, he he was like quite a heavily regarded recruit coming out of high school then had a good freshman year sort of catching passes and then as as georgia will sort of realized oh we've got nick chubb and we've got sony michelle and we've got deandre swift and elijah holyfield etc um and grew we're just gonna run the ball we're just gonna run the ball and he became a pretty good run blocker Um, yeah and you know he's he's pretty good at most things i think it's he's he's again much more of a sort of high floor relatively low ceiling guy um, yeah. And I think that that's for almost every prospect on here. Certainly after the top three, it's then just that balance of ceiling versus floor. Yep. Um, and yeah, it, I, I think I think Norta's probably the in terms of sort of late day two, early day three pick. He's probably the safest, just kind of he'll be okay type pick. 
Yeah, I think I think day two might be a bit rich for for me. I think he's yeah, no, I if you throw him the ball, he'll catch it. Yeah. Um, and you you'll uh again do some good work in a run game, but he's not going to create yards for himself. No, I think I've got like a mid late round fourth round fourth round grade, yeah. so just kind of yeah. But he's a, he's a nice tidy player whose floor is quite close to his ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's really fair. Um, I think there's then sort of a number of guys who are okay but not amazing. There's yep. Drew Samples, Tommy Sweeney's, who uh, could be decent players. They're you know, but they're, they're, there's 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 no obvious sleeper if that makes sense. Like there yep. there's not there's not a there's not been some of the other that like we talk about the linebackers, Cole Holcomb and a receiver sort of Deontay Johnson. Yeah. There's, there's there's not really an obvious sleeper at tight end. The kind of yeah. the good guys are gonna go early, and then it's kind of which of which do you like of the sort of the okay guys? Yep. Um. Anyone else you want to talk about? I mean, I I, I quite like to talk about Dawson Knox, but if there's someone you want to talk about first, then um, uh, you can talk about Dawson Knox. So he's sort of the the, the really weird one in that he. <laughs> You can sort of see him being really quite good, but he does some really bad things. Like his yeah. hands are really quite poor. His blocking is really shift. You know, it is it, inconsistent at best. But he also is a really good athlete who flashes route running potential, and that that's you know, in a receiving league, that's valuable. Yeah. And like even if his if his hands were just that little bit better, you could kind of go like, right, he's going to be just be you know. The gap between him and Jay Sternberger is basically his ability to catch the ball. Yeah. And, and but, but but that's like two rounds worth of questions. <laughs> it's 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 sort of you know it goes from you being like you're a specialist who has the potential to be more well-rounded between like you're a liability with potential. Like he is. Yeah. He is very definitely developmental, but there's he's one of the few guys outside the top four who has any chance of being a like plus starter in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only other go? guy I, I want to briefly touch upon is is Caden Smith, who okay. can do something that uh, the other guys we mentioned can't really, and that's sort of win contested catches. Mm-hmm. The only downside is he's not really good at anything else. Well, he's he's, <laughs> he's pretty fast, um, and he, he has got nice hands, but he's he's not a good route runner. Uh, not great in the in the run game. Um, it's just very difficult to see that much value out of uh, winning contested catches because he's not even like freaky good at that if that makes no, sense no no it, it, your it, wide it's, receivers were better than him at that yeah no he, he, he's a yeah. I mean Stanford's offense this year was really odd um, in that they 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 actually used a lot of these contested catches, not just for tight ends, but receivers as well. Like that was something that was a, a really significant part of their offense was mm-hmm. throwing these sort of fades yeah. and jump balls yeah and it's just that's definitely not going to be how you run an offense in the NFL. It's just that's 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 not a consistent way of producing offense. Unless there's uh, like a lockout and they have to get some like Pac-10 defensive backs or something. Uh, yeah, God, yeah. It's it, it's really telling that the the gap between some like there are some really good college players and there are some really good college teams, but there are some teams where just the what they are asked to do schematically is just miles apart from what they're going to be asked to do in the NFL. And they could be really valuable in one particular way in college, but that's just sort of like one bit of being a decent player in the NFL. Yeah. You can't, you can't, unless you are incredibly good at something, you can't make a career out of just being good at that thing. Yeah. Um, 
and it isn't just a tight end, but there 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 are a number of guys where it's sort of they're real specialists, even beyond the point that you can really be effective in the NFL. And yeah. I think I think Caden Smith is just it's it's there's a big gap between him and being a genuinely good tight end. Yeah. Um I think I think you can get away with being a specialist a bit more if you're a wide receiver, tight end or a pass rusher because you're in control of what happens. Whereas if you're a defensive back or um like an offensive lineman, um, yeah, no, you, you can't have a weakness otherwise that'll just get targeted. No, no, I think that's, it's still, that's still difficult true. to add that much value just because you 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 become predictable essentially. Yeah, no, it's going to be you know, every time they roll them on the field. Oh, look, they're going to run a fade, and you know it, it is, but it is that kind of thing where you you know if if you were going to use Caden Smith to his maximum value, it would be just throwing him fades. But then, therefore, every time he brings him on the field, you know he's going to throw him a fade, or yep. he's just going to be completely useless. So you just defend the fade and worry about whatever happens. Yep. And, 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 and no matter how good the, the wide receiver is, if you're throwing a fade all the time, that's, that's you know, you, you're not playing the odds correct. Fade's like an awful pass to just keep. That's so bad. There was, there was one, I think it was last season, where the um, the Panthers run a 30-yard fade on third and five. And it was like, what are you doing? Just, that's, that's like, if it was like third and 21, it was just, we need some hope. That's, that's yeah. fine. Like, like, you know, there comes a point like as the play as as the odds of you succeeding become lower and lower the fade starts to creep up there because its odds basically don't change regardless of the situation yeah um which is why it works for the red zone because everything becomes hard and therefore it's suddenly like throwing a fade makes some sense yeah but occasionally not all the time but when it's like third and five you're thinking like what are you doing just just you it, 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 the fade is just as valuable on first down as it is on third down it just it you know yeah, it's not the play you go to to save your game unless you're really desperate. Yeah, but it was against the Jets, so it's fine because we won anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird game. Um, but yeah, I, I must admit, so tight end is they generally like you said there isn't really a depth of talent. The only guy who's been quite high a reason about in some boards that I've got quite low is is Caleb Wilson. Um. And he's, he's, I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff at all, but he's... Yeah, I have. Uh, he's got really, really long legs. Yeah. And that creates all kind of problems. Like, it was interesting, sort of, he, he went into the senior bowl really quite highly regarded and then really struggled to separate the senior bowl. And he just he just can't change direction fast enough. And, yeah. and it's one of, like, there are guys who have problems that you can sort of go, I don't, you know, I know they can't do this, but there is at least some chance it gets better. It it appears as if his problems are purely athletic and therefore there's just no chance he ever gets better at it. Like, you yeah. know, his legs are not going to get shorter as he gets older. So his ability to change direction isn't going to change. And it also creates all kinds of leverage issues as, as a blocker and balance issues. And it, it's, if you, you know, he does some nice things and therefore you're not, he's not so poor that you just completely write him off. But his, the things he does badly are really concerning flaws if that makes sense i think he's he, he's got nice hands decent decentish speed and you know can find spaces in zone but he's not he's not being a man coverage no no and that's just that just puts an absolute limit on your ceiling yeah i think i think that's the thing is that i mean we talked about this a bit when we talked about the receivers but for 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 skill position players you know the receivers and tight ends 
the, the the big dividing gap in value is between the ability to separate consistently against man coverage and the and, and the lack of that ability that, that that is the thing that just adds huge amounts of value to a player yeah and when you can't do that it just puts an absolute ceiling on how good you can ever be yeah i think i think caleb wilson's going to go lower than what people might imagine right now just because he, he's a guy who's who's productive in college but whose tape suggests that he won't uh, transition as well to the NFL and usually those guys are quite highly regarded at the beginning of draw season where people are just kind of looking at yeah. stats, seeing you know who to look at and then when you watch the tape it's a bit more ah, he's he's a good college player um, but See, I, NFL, I, I, I'm not so sure the, the guy I was thinking about earlier when I was, I was writing about this was um, Orlando Brown last year where like Orlando Brown went into the combine and everyone was like, he's a first round tackle, he's a first round tackle, and you watch him, you're like, he's he's not a first round tackle, and then suddenly he's turns up the combine and just puts up these abysmal numbers, and everyone suddenly goes, oh, oh right, maybe he's maybe he's not a first round tackle, and it's just you know, it's not just that he wasn't as good as people hoped he might be, he was so catastrophically bad that it just it completely rewrote how everyone thought about him. Yeah. And, and you can talk to Caleb Watson doing the same thing where he goes into the combine as like a, a third round pick and then just puts up catastrophically poor agility numbers and suddenly just starts just falling down boards almost from the next day kind of thing. So the, the example that comes to mind for me is uh, if, if you cast your, your mind way back to 2013, uh, mm-hmm. which was such a glorious draft. Um, so Montre Moore was kind of predicted to be like top five around this time yeah, maybe, yeah. Was, maybe it the Texas, was it the texas a&m defensive end yeah yeah because uh, because he i think he led the uh, division one in sacks or something yeah, like yeah, that I think he got, he, I think he got he got a he bunch had 12 of and a half sacks i think from memory yeah and then you know they're like oh this guy's the next great pass rusher you know they had von miller two years ago and now it's the montre more and then people started watching the tape and it's like all of these are just kind of like clean up sacks he he he, he never wins within like you know four seconds um, and then he he just posted awful numbers in the in the combine. I think he ended up getting drafted. Twelve in the and a half sacks, got it exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. But yeah, he, he he's the type of guy where you know at the beginning it's like oh he's pulling up gaudy numbers, you know. He, yeah. He plays in the SEC. Um, oh he's 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 the next you know big SEC pass rusher, and it's like well, nah. It is interesting that kind of Texas A&M have had two of the best pass rushers of the last yep. decade yeah and also had at least from memory two guys who went way too high out of basically just completely busted who's the uh, who's the other guy out of Deshaun hall who the oh, Panthers yeah. took in the third round and then cut <laughs> cut a year later he played one game as a third round pick yeah oh that was not a happy memory and is now i think he's on a practice squad somewhere as a second year player as a third round pick yeah and it was again it's the same thing where he was playing opposite um miles garrett and therefore he looked great because everyone was just completely losing their mind over miles garrett and therefore he just to clean up and yeah got you know number of sacks as a result and you know he was quite athletic and stuff but it's just the yeah ppp this is this is why i think you know we've said it before why we don't pay a huge amount of attention to college production because it's just not it's not that good an indicator i think i think if you if you for me if you lack production that's more of a notable thing than if you've got really good college production. And I think that more so with uh, wide receivers, I think. Personally, I think if, if you if you don't really have that many yards in, in your college career, uh, then it's, it's pretty hard to envisage how you can uh, become a good yeah. NFL one, unless you're like transitioning position like Edelman did. Yeah, 
I can't, I can't think of anyone who's sort of an exception to that. I think the only thing would be there are some teams that are just dysfunctional. I think there are sometimes you like you watch college offenses and you think this is just a really poor. I mean, like the Ole Miss for me this year was a team like that where you sort of watch it and go, yeah, there is a lot of talent on this team. They might not be NFL superstars, but like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and the other guy whose name I've just forgotten who plays receiver for, uh, for Mark Sludge. Yeah, Mark Sludge. Like they are all gonna get drafted in the top five rounds i, I, what, I can't what grade i've got on lodge but it, it's it's not terrible it's like sixth round grade yeah yeah like high sixth round grade but he's, he's still a, you know, a good college receiver like you've got three yeah. good college receivers you've got decent running backs and you've got a good offensive line and yet you're still just completely you watch them you just think this doesn't look like a team that has any idea how it's trying to pick up a first down yeah and, and you just sort of think that there's there's if you if you were playing running back for that team you could quite easily put up some really poor numbers against good SEC teams, and it's just entirely because. Yeah, I think I think running backs a bit different, but um, at least that Ole Miss team did manage to get some uh, decent passing numbers. They they did they did, but they, their their win loss record was terrible. I can't remember. What it was yeah, but their like, defense like was atrocious. Yeah, it was it was, but it's just I, there, there's one play in particular that I'm mean, Mike Shuler used to run this for the Panthers, and that's why I probably hate it quite so much. But it's. Yeah. It's it's pulling two players across from one side to the other, um, and you're effectively asking two players, two blockers, and a ball carrier to fit through one gap. Yeah. And it just I've never seen it work. I just it might work on the rare occasion that the defense just gets spread wide enough that they can fit through, but almost invariably the two guys make their blocks and the running back just runs into the back of them because there's just no and it, it's just. I, 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 you know, watching Greg Little play, and it's like I've now seen this play about eight times, and it hasn't worked once. And I'm not sure why you keep running this play because it's just it, it, there, there are there are there are, there are going to be guys who play for colleges where you just you're just not sure how much their value is being hurt by by the offense they played. If that makes sense. Yeah. Should we uh, wrap up on tight ends? What are your yeah we probably should. thoughts? Um, basically, there's three good prospects who should go on the second day of the draft and then there's a reasonable gap and there's a number of guys who have some value either in terms of high floor or high ceiling but there there's there's three main guys and then there's the rest yeah i think i agree yeah okay that's that sounds that sounds pretty good if we both agree um <laughs> it's better how much that will happen i think it's happened more already this year than it does in most years which is either a good sign or a bad sign but normally we've just got completely different takes on about half the prospects but yeah i think linebacker was a bit different for us but yeah, yeah. Well, even tight ends i think we have similar views yeah no and even even at tight even at linebacker we're not miles apart it's just it's no. it's, it's shades of gray rather than i hate this prospect but i think they're amazing yeah um all right, in which case, we'd love to leave you. Um, it's interior defensive linesman next week. So that's nose tackles, defensive tackles, so four, three defensive tackles, and three, four defensive ends. Um, so those will come out as three separate big boards, and I'll do, um, I don't know whether I'll do one profile on each or I'll do three profiles, but we'll get to those next week. Um, yep. Just so people are aware, like for the profiles this week, I am just doing the top three guys as the three profiles. So that, that that's going to be the three profiles that come out for tight end week. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything for me. Yep, uh, I don't really have much to add. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, see you next week. Bye.